the Ghost Goal Podcast. The Premier League is heating up early in more ways than one, as the weekend's first top four clash of the new season resulted in hot temperatures, even hotter tackles, and scalding dugout clashes between Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel and Tottenham manager Antonio Conte, during their side's 2-2 humdinger at the bridge. Meanwhile, Manchester United and Liverpool's troubles continued, as both failed to get their seasons back on track, dropping points against lesser opposition. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 367. Another weekend of per- uh, plenty of goals, Javier. It was uh, it was a fun one. Uh, I'm sure you're buzzing off uh, Arsenal's 4-2 win over uh, Leicester, but we've got... Uh, we've got more pressing matters to attend to here, Alex. Yeah, we've got underwhelming Manchester United and Liverpool starts to the season. Who, w- who would have thought? Um, but yeah, how are you doing, man? Doing well, doing well. You know, I'm uh, I'm excited to get the comp competitions so we get mid games too. So we'll get you know much more footy, Champions League, Europa League, all that starting up too. So uh, are you already I, complaining that it's too long to wait a week between it is. Arsenal I don't games? Like the, exactly. Isn't that a great hard. feeling there when you're when your team's now. playing well and you're like, ah, oh, damn, I've got to wait a whole week. Like that's the main thing that like what bummed me out when the last time Chelsea didn't have any European football and of course you had to sit through that for Arsenal last year it just sucked to like because that was like obviously a season that Chelsea went on like a great run won the league but weren't playing yeah I'm excited games. for Europa League group stage that's so right. messed like, up I can't wait to, to watch our backups <laughs> and pathetic. see if our backups right. play well yeah uh, but yeah, the, the, we'll, we'll gush about our own teams in a little bit let's uh, hit on this absolute horror show of a Manchester United performance they went to Brentford uh, around noon on Saturday and lost 4-0 they were down 4-0 in the first 35 minutes of the game they conceded I want to sh- scold you Alex because you you were texting your brother and I before the game you said you, you said you wanted to bet a thousand dollars on this game that Brentford <laughs> were gonna win and the I mean, the, 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 the payout to me yeah the payout was like plus like See, almost three thousand and Alex didn't do it See that I'm not a gambler. Alex that's, did that's not Andrew's do it. Thing. That's how confident he was in the Brentford winning this game, and they just they just destroyed Manchester United. I mean, that was a. I'm sure it would have paid out at halftime. <laughs> Four now, up at halftime. Now, how much of this do you just blame on De Gea having just the worst game of his career? I don't even think this was the worst game of De Gea's career. Um, he made three three errors that led to goals, though. Well, the, the, the first that. error is the the one you're obviously talking about because that just sort of you know gets everything started off and sets a terrible precedent for the whole United team. They're on the back foot. They're away against a Brentford team that's got a roaring stadium behind them. That that's the the key mistake from uh, the Josh De Silva goal in the tenth minute. And then after that, I think it's United as a team. Like yes, De Gea is mostly at, to to be blamed for some of the selection passing out from the back. I think he played it to Erickson for the, the second goal when Erickson was fully marked, had someone right on his shoulder, ready to tackle him as soon as he yeah, received he just the ball. to get rid of the ball. He didn't have to try to pass it to Erickson there. But yeah, it, but this this is the growing pains we're talking about with Manchester United shifting to this new style of play. They they haven't been used to playing this way under any of their, their previous managers. They're obviously, or Ten Hag is obviously very committed to making it work, to trying to make it work with, you know, no sort of adjustments 
to uh, to to sort of ease the transition. Um, and you know, it's it was found out as very naive. So I'll, I'll say that. So Ten Hag deserves a bit of a good amount of blame here. But at the same time, there's not going to be any other way they're going to learn to get it right. They have to get it wrong a certain amount of times before it'll end up working. Josh, Josh De Silva seems like a great little Ericsson replacement. Sorry to like stop you on your on your United tangent. I'm just like, I thought Brentford were also great. Like the way that they controlled the game from start to finish. I mean, they they scored a bunch of goals and then they shut up shop and just, you know, kept kept United back. And United got some chances, but it, you know clean sheet against Manchester United second game of the season that's that's dream dream time for Brentford and if they're getting results like this you got to think that they're probably not going to be in relegation trouble because of their home form yeah I think this actually takes the uh takes the 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 award for you know Brent Brentford's biggest result in their I know history they went to Stamford Bridge and won yeah, this is crazy but, you know I think it takes the place of Arsenal losing there on the opening day of last season. Like that was their pre, like their fans were at home, clean sheet, first time back up in the Premier League. I think for like sixty years it had been, and they went and got like that big result against you guys. But now, yeah, this Manchester United one has to has to take the cake. I, I agree with you that they were good, but I, I think they were like Manchester United set them up to succeed because everyone knows that Manchester United are trying to transition to the pass out from the back possession style and you know if you're if everyone in the if everyone out of the fan bases and neutrals knows it then of course Brentford and their staff like preparing for that game they're going to be saying all right we're pressing them high we're at home they're not used to they're not good at it yet and they're not used to doing it under intense pressure and it paid off for them big time so yeah I'll give I'll give Brentford credit for sure but some of the some of the personnel choices by Ronaldo United is were, again they're were gonna Tenna keeps talking about you know Ronaldo's gonna be part of the plans this season he started him in this game I've been saying it over and over again Alex Ronaldo is not gonna work at Manchester United in this system no no they're it's just not gonna be- work. they're just they're just beating a dead horse at this point and it doesn't seem like and anyone want they, they've offered him to every club in the world. Like he's been linked to like literally everybody and everyone's turned him down. So at this point, he's not going to be playing Champions League this season. He's going to be on United. I, I feel like it's going to be a waste of a year for Manchester United. Well, I don't know if it will be a complete waste of a year because... Well, they can develop yeah, under Ten Hag they, and then Ten right, Hag can, like, can, can make the choice of who's going to stay and who's going to go next year. But they've got to back him. They've got to keep him there and just, you know, these, these results are going to... Ha- more of these are going to happen. The only way I see Ten Hag's job being under threat is if there's like a legitimate relegation threat, which we're not there yet. It's two games into the season. We like making jokes that, you know, nah, there's too much quality bottom. on the squad. Yeah, there's far too much quality in the squad for any type of relegation. I mean, they still have Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford, you know, Ronaldo's still going to get, you know, 10 to 15 goals, maybe even 17 goals. Who knows? You know, he might still get a bunch of goals this year, but it doesn't mean that they're going to get anything in the league or, or, you know, do anything significant in any cup competition, I don't think so. So yeah, let's let's move on from uh, United because there's another team that perhaps more surprisingly is having a slow start to the season and that's Liverpool who earlier today drew Crystal Palace 1-1 at home. They went behind to a Wilfred Zaha goal in the 32nd minute. Uh, their new summer signing Darwin Nunez went and headbutted uh, 
Joachim Anderson and got himself sent off in the 57th minute. And a couple minutes later, Liverpool got themselves back into it with a uh, lovely curler from Luis Diaz, uh, but couldn't end up getting the winner. So they've started the season two games played, two draws away at Fulham and now home against Crystal Palace. It sounds ridiculous, but are they out of the title race? I mean, no, they're not out of the title race, but if you're already drawing your first two games of the season with the ac- the aspirations that Liverpool have... And they just got Darwin... They lost Darwin Nunez for three games. Right. Oof. It, like, it's not a good start. No, not a good start at all for Liverpool here. You know, four points dropped. you got to think with the furious pace and the ease of schedule that Manchester City have to start the season... You don't want to be behind, you know, seven, eight, but they were behind that amount they of were points behind more, last yeah. year. That's why and, they're not out of it. And obviously. they came back. So, and, and, and you never know, you know, what's going to happen with injuries and mid season. So no, they're definitely not out of the title race. That's an overreaction, but you know, this is not what, how Liverpool want to start. And in this game, they had so many shots, just, you know, some good saves by Guaita Great defending from Anderson and Mark Gahey had a had a phenomenal game. Um, you know, bounced back from the the terrible game he had against Arsenal. But for Crystal Palace, it's huge. Get a draw at Liverpool. I mean, they could have won it. Liverpool Zaha won it. hit the post like yeah, when, and he got in one v one like four or five times. And that's what worries me a little bit is that you know Nate the 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 quality that Liverpool have if they don't have. It seems like Joel Matip in the side. You know, he was so good for them last season. And well, there was no Matip and no Konate today. That's yeah, why Phillips both started. Of both of them, yeah. But Konate's been injury prone since his Leipzig days. It's why I think Leipzig, you know, he didn't go for an, for an incredible fee. Despite, like, he's, 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 an, he's an amazing player. But his injury record was already not good at leipzig and i think that's probably going to be the one thing that holds him back in his career if, if he doesn't sort out his injury problems you know he could be another uh samuel by all accounts, like nate phillips if he's your fourth choice center back that's he's not bad that's not it's the not worst place for him no. to be in the pecking order he had a great loan at bournemouth last but he just year got destroyed by wilfred zaha yeah yeah so and, and I mean, that's as kind well. of understandable as was um, so good he the was thing so I actually wanted to bring up for for Liverpool, it's I mean it's a popular take at the moment, but it's the midfield injuries that I think a lot a lot of people agree are killing them at the moment. They started today with Fabinho at the base, you know he's their preferred choice there, and then James Milner and Harvey Elliott ahead of him. Uh, Tiago picked up an injury in that Fulham game last week, and I think another Henderson, serial serial injury player, right? And then Henderson was fit enough to make the bench today. And he came on in the 63rd minute. But you, you just, I, I was talking to Andrew about this and I was asking him, like, why aren't Liverpool being linked with players like Yuri Tielemans or someone that isn't either too old and or injury prone or someone that isn't a teenager? Like someone in the prime of their career, kind of like Fabinho is, who can play 30 plus games in the league and be more of a mainstay in the midfield. So they're not con- constantly chopping and changing with whichever one of these younger or older injury-prone players is, is available. Because that, I think that, like, especially with the way Palace shifted to the five at the back today, they needed, I mean, obviously, preferably, they'd rather have, like, Tiago fit for a game like this to unlock that low block. But they need someone a bit more matured in their career to just provide more of a more continuity to their midfield. And Tielemans, like, checks all the boxes in that regard for me. He's got one year left on his deal. 
I know Lester would probably still like ask for a pretty big price for him, even with one year left on his deal, because they're selling to like another Premier League team. Yeah, it just seems like all, all of the signals being given by the club, mainly Klopp, is that Liverpool aren't going to be signing anyone else, and they're going to be trying to win the league and win all these big trophies with what they currently have. And you know they'll they'll get healthier and better, but for stretches like these, like to open the season, it's uh, it's going to be a little rough, I think, for them. So. You know, Harvey Elliott and Carvalho may develop into great players right away and make me look stupid. I I don't mind that. They're they're certainly talented enough, but I, I don't think they have the experience to. Car- Carvalho's looked pretty right good uh, since yeah. when he's come on for uh, for a young player like him. You know, coming from the championship, he was so good on Fulham, right? So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how he fits into this Liverpool side this season. He's he's getting probably more game time right now than maybe was expected, you know, because of all these injuries. But I think it's not the end of the world for Liverpool. I think, you know, they didn't lose these games. The, the Darwin Nunez red card, though, uh, that's that's not a good way. I, you could tell from the beginning his temperament. He's a uh, he's a fiery player. He goes in very, 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 uh, you know, red You're not going to say it, Javier. Hot, I got it. I got to give you I got to give you credit. We were texting about that uh, Liverpool Crystal Palace game earlier today, and you were saying th- exactly that about Darwin Nunez before he even got the red card. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I felt I felt I'll like give he, you the shout out for that. Yeah, I felt like he 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 could have he could get sent off this season. I didn't think it was going to be in this game, but just off the bat, looking at him how he plays, there's probably going to be another you know a few times that he gets into it with people and does a headbutt, gets a clear red card, and yeah, you just you can't do that, man. It's your first Premier League start, and he gets sent off. That's uh. It's not a not a good look. Not a good look after coming off the bench and getting a goal and an assist in the game before. So, so those two teams. Uh, let's. I guess let's do like a little mini preview, just to look ahead to next Monday. Manchester United and Liverpool will both be looking for their first wins next Monday, August twenty second. That'll be at Old Trafford. You assume with how much worse Manchester United are uh, looking at the moment that it will be you know, Liverpool walking over them. But is, is there like a little seed of doubt that gets uh, thrown in after Liverpool failed to win each of these first two games? There's something special about Manchester United-Liverpool, right? There's Manchester United seemingly, especially at home, they always show up for this game, so... What? Remember they lost like 5-0 last year? Was it, was it at home? 4-0 at halftime. Oh, you're yeah, right, you're game. right. They that got was, destroyed. You're right. You know, Not always shreds. at home. But you're right, you're right. Ah, fuck. Manchester United are probably going to get destroyed. What am I talking about? Right. I, I just captained Mo Salah in my fantasy team. For I was trying reason. to reason to myself, you know, maybe they can do something. No, no. They're probably going to get destroyed. But, you know, we'll see how the crowd is. You know, if, are they going to be booing if they if they start losing 3-0? You know, are people going to start leaving? The Liverpool well, they're, fans they're are definitely going to be louder than the United fans. The United fans are planning a walkout to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? protest the uh, the Glazers ownership there so remember yeah, Manchester I think, United need to make some signings they need they need some players in they need to spend that money that they have I don't know what's going on there but teams like Arsenal and Chelsea teams like Arsenal and Chelsea just have completely overtaken them in terms of players brought in how how good our squads look and Tottenham as well I mean they're just falling behind you know they're falling years behind right now in 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 development and in you know, bringing bringing the team to to the standard that Manchester United is used to. 
dark times for Manchester United. But whatever, they went through a lot of a uh, lot of great years. They they, they deserve a little uh, <laughs> little misery. Speaking of misery and uh, suffering, uh, Antonio Conte's Tottenham they went to uh, Stamford Bridge on Sunday afternoon and uh, got themselves a two-two draw, as Javier predicted. If you don't follow us uh, on Instagram yet, go over to the Instagram account at GhostGoalPod. Uh, I jumped on uh, Instagram Live right after full time of uh, of that one to talk about the game with a mutual friend of ours, uh, Mark uh, of Cyclone Sports. He's a Spurs fan. He was obviously elated by uh, the you know the late nature of of Tottenham getting that uh, that draw in a place where they never win. Uh, I, I I wasn't I, I was a little sad about it obviously was you know very very excited to get a early season win against Tottenham and that obviously didn't end up happening and felt very much slighted by the nature of the two quote goals that were scored Um, but yeah we tried to keep that one more geared towards how meaningful it was to Tottenham that you know especially the way they played you know very defensive and focusing on the counterattack. the fact that they were still able to score twice at the bridge and, and come away with a result after being dominated by Chelsea for most of the game. That that was obviously a huge result for them. But on the Chelsea side, again, disappointing not to get the win. We were all over them. It should have been more than one nil at halftime. Yeah, those first 30 minutes, you should have scored three goals. I mean, they were sixes and sevens for that full, whole first half was just all Chelsea, you know, and then... Even the beginning of the second half, there was a little bit of an improvement from Tottenham, but it wasn't Once they until made they made that Richarlison change. Yeah, it wasn't until they, he brought on the changes that it looked a little bit better. But I mean, that that Hoiberg goal, very contentious with the uh, Betancourt tackle and the um, Richarlison offsides, where yeah, terrible. Just two calls that I you know I I think now that they've been reviewed and a day later everyone's seen. You know, Betancourt does go through. Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz, yeah, it goes through Kai Havertz. See, see, that I'm not as angry about because, like, for the most part, there was a standard set by Anthony Taylor, you know, the referee who, for some reason, hates Chelsea, that, you know, he, he wasn't calling fouls for the most part. Like, challenges were flying in. It was like a heated affair like you'd usually expect it to be. So he was letting the game play on. It, it was a foul. It should have been called. He missed it. So what? Jorginho still has the chance to clear the ball in our box and he gives it away and Hoiberg score, scores. It's the VAR not like just reviewing Richarlison being offside and just saying, oh, no, Mendy could see the ball. If you if you watch it again, Mendy has to lean to his left to be able to see around Richarlison. And then Richarlison, once the ball is struck, he moves towards the path of where the goal, the ball is coming past him. He moves towards it further blocking Mendy's view of that ball like dribbling through on the ground. So I, I don't understand how they can miss that and not call Richarlison offside for that. And then obviously the hair pull, like just being in, given another day to digest that one. Uh, like the reason the hair they, pulls ridiculous. The reason, it was just a straight the reason red. Like, I don't understand how it's Yeah, not. it should just be straight red, free kick Chelsea, no second, no, no corner for Tottenham, the corner that they scored the equalizer off of. And we even have precedent for this. Like, it wasn't given in the moment, but back in 2016, Robert Huth was given a three-match suspension after he pulled Marouane Fellaini's hair during a set piece, like, before a set piece was taken. The ref- There was no VAR then, so the referee, like, didn't see it and do anything, but after the fact, they went back and reviewed it, and 
pulling of the hair was like was was seen to have been violent conduct. And I mean, it's came in today that there's not going to be any suspension for Romero. So not even after the fact are they getting it right. They're just trying to cover their own asses. It's 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 bullshit, obviously. But again, I'm not trying to make this all doom and gloom for Chelsea because overall, like Tuchel tactically outclassed Antonio Conte from start to finish. Even when Conte give, got themselves back into it. A, a, a big shout yeah. out because he was he was probably man of the match for Chelsea. The way he played defensively and you know contributed offensively as well. I mean, he was just he was a beast going up and down that wing back as a wing back. So Tuchel outclassed Conte tactically by you know out of possession playing a three four three with Ruben Loftus Cheek at right wing back. Like Chelsea have done that before, but I'm sure Antonio Conte was not prepared for that to be you know the starting uh, lineup for Chelsea. And then in possession. Loftus Cheek would turn into like a right-sided attacking midfielder and add a third man in midfield. Sometimes it would even be a fourth man in midfield when Mason Mount would drop in, and we just flooded that midfield area and let Reese James uh, move forward. Once we, you know, had established possession and pinned Tottenham back, which was the case for most of the half. Once Conte makes that uh, adjustment of his own, where he brings in Richarlison and goes with a four at the back and basically a four-two-four with four very threatening forward players in Richarlison, Son, Kane, and uh, Kulisevsky. Tottenham got a little bit of joy out of that. They they got themselves the equalizer for 1-1, and then Tuchel makes another change by bringing in Aspilicueta, putting him at right centre-back instead of Reese James, who, by the way, had completely marked Son out of the game, was dominating the game, and was enabling Loftus-Cheek to feel so free much so that to they took Son forward. off in like the well, they were losing in like the you know seventy-six minute or something for Mora. Yeah, they just uh, yeah. They, they Son was completely out of the game. It was it was it was pretty impressive defensive performance from Chelsea. Once the Aspilicueta substitution had and Reese James got returned to right wing back, immediately he gets down the right and plays that perfect ball to Kai Havertz, and Havertz fucks the finish, the the, the left-footed volley that hit his knee and went out like that. That should have been two one there. And then obviously Reese James ends oh, up that, getting yeah, that the Kai, potential Kai, Kai just, you know, Timo Werner, the shit out of that, that chance. That was the one he put wide. Don't worry. Our, our cross from Reese James. Yeah. That was everyone keeps like trying to make this out to be like, Oh, Chelsea showed like they're not good enough going forward. That Kai Havertz, Raheem Sterling, Mason Mount front three is, they're just learning to play with each other right now. You know, it's uh, it was an overall like very positive performance, I think, from start to yeah, finish. I was Chelsea. very impressed with Chelsea, not impressed with Tottenham. Tottenham did their thing, though. I mean, like uh, Mark Sakaili said on the Instagram live, Tottenham sit back, they they seed possession and, and they play on the counterattack and, and they were happy to sit in a low block and they have enough quality that. They they just they just find a way sometimes. They were doing it all last season under Conte. They were coming back a lot in games. Um, I think second to Liverpool, they're the team that's recovered the most points from losing positions um, in the Premier League since Antonio Conte came in. So impressive by them that they even if they go down a goal or two, they can they can come back and scrap a draw or or, or nick a win. And uh, it's it's annoying that Antonio Conte's at Tottenham. I, I yeah, I, I really don't annoying. like it. Yeah, because because. 
this is a result that they should have gotten spanked 3-0, but because they have Conte, they got a 2-2 draw, basically. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, normally this game would have been 2-0, like it has been so many times recently. It should have been, th- been 3-0. Like, if you guys yeah, did yeah, I mean, what you should have done in that first half, like, you guys destroyed them in the first half. They were they were all over the place, so. And Antonio Conte being there is just, it, it really, ugh just sucks in games like this and and like the Arsenal game last season too like like Mark said like you know he he completely outclassed Arteta in that game so but that that's where it's different Tottenham outclassed Arsenal in that game in this game they got completely outclassed and they still managed to pull out a draw that's like for Tottenham fans they've got to be happy that their team can play like shit and still get a result somewhere where they barely ever get one so I can understand why they're taking positives from it. I'm taking positives from it as well. I'm just excited to see how much better this team and none of the new signings look out of place. The new signings are playing better than some of the oh, what like, a established goal by players. Koulibaly. Koulibaly. Oh, what a my fucking gosh. amazing. Just I love him already. off of the corner. Yeah, yeah I mean, all beautiful. Chelsea fans already love him. He's already an yeah. uh, instant, instant hero. Also, his play out from the back, like Rudiger was like good at like a long raking ball, like to switch the play to the opposite side. But Rudiger couldn't pass the ball through the lines like Koulibaly does. Koulibaly's got both in his locker and he's got a finish like that on on him. Like that, that's why I've like said that we might have even upgraded on Rudiger. So looking Man, forward to seeing more from was, Koulibaly. Uh, that was very, very impressive. What The one last thing to mention was that N'Golo Conte injury. Looks like he pulled something. Do you do you know have yeah. any injury? Do you have any news on that, Alex? Uh, no news yet, but it's it's probably going to be like a while. It looked like a bad one, but might be a blessing in disguise because you might uh, either yeah. go go buy someone in the window or you know Connor Gallagher is actually going to get game time and get get into this team. Which I think for Chelsea, you have an eighty million pound midfielder in Connor Gallagher. Play him. It's his chance. It's his time. Play it's, him. Uh, don't don't he, go he out brings... and buy Frankie De Jong. That's what that's what Abramovich would have done. Something like that. Well, but... well, that that would be a, that would be for a different purpose. If we brought Frankie De Jong, that would to facilitate a move to four at the back with three in midfield. Because right now, Jorginho can't play at the base of midfield by himself, while the other players go forward and look to press. He's his anticipation isn't good enough defensively. If you get Frankie De Jong, all of a sudden, you know you. You enable and maybe Fafana we would need as well because Thiago Silva isn't exactly the best in a, in a back four at the moment at this stage of his career. If you get those two players, you can play four at the back and you know keep possession a little bit more, not have dumb turnovers like Jorginho had for the, the Spurs first equalizer. And you, you free more players up to go forward in, in attack. So that, that's the only reason that I could see that signing being made. But Conor Gallagher is a ready-made replacement to fill in for N'Golo Kante. He brings all of the energy and work rate, maybe not at the same level as Kante in his prime, but, you know, he may still get there. And he's got more of a goal threat. So, yeah, we, we, we've got replacements, young, hungry replacements, ready to come in and, and take their chance. And we've got, like, a winnable run of games coming up now until we play Liverpool in the middle of, this, of September, I think. So, yeah, exciting to see how Chelsea push on from here. Uh, but let's move on to you guys. You uh, Arsenal got a 4-2 win at home against Leicester City. Gabriel Jesus uh, with a great first goal for Arsenal to introduce himself to the Arsenal fans in the 23rd minute. Curled it from a very acute angle up and around uh, Ward, the Leicester goalkeeper. And, yeah, uh, still had even more with four players around him. It was fucking crazy. It was an insane finish. Right? Like We haven't had a player that can do something like that in... Since Van Piercy. 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Alexis, I guess, could. Alexis could. I take that back. But since Alexis, we haven't had a player like that who can get goals and assists in a game, two goals, two assists, you know, who could contribute pressing the entire time he played from first minute till he was subbed off to Eddie Nketiah. He was pressing continuously, you know, just amazing in buildup. There was a, he should have had four or five goals. He said he was so disappointed after the game because that turn that he had on Evans when he like Ramsdale punted a ball up the field, like 80 yards. Jesus like clips it out of the air, like juggles it a couple times, controls it. And then like backs into Evans and then turns him. It was just, and then gets in on goal and Fofana gets back and makes a last second tackle to uh to stop a goal there. And yeah, just amazing performance from Jesus. What a what a home debut. Exceeded all expectations, you know, after that first game that he didn't have a bad game, but just didn't score and uh didn't assist, but already off the mark, you know, has the highest expected goals in the league, highest expected assists. <laughs> He's he looks uh he looks quite the part right now and very excited for him. Uh, but there was there was a lot of players that I that I have to give praise for because the the whole team played really well, especially in that first half. There were periods of play where, I mean, we were we were just zipping the ball around and, and Leicester absolutely could not handle us. The the two Leicester goals were kind of flukes. I mean, the Saliba own goal was just kind of an easy clearance that he messed up, and outside of that, he was impeccable. It, it was pretty awesome to see when he 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 scored the own goal the entire stadium started chanting his name you know you can tell that the arsenal fans all already love him um and the madison goal was just went right through ramsdale's legs and you know that should have been a pretty easy save from that angle so other like it it was it was very impressive that both of the goals that both times that they scored and brought it to one goal two minutes and then one minute later we you know immediately made it a two goal and it just you know just completely Big brothered them. We're like, you know, we're you're not gonna ever get a result here, you know. Quiet down, and then just immediately, as soon as we were up two goals, we went back to just controlling the game. But when we when it was a one goal, it, you know, it was just one goal. We were we were frantic at them. We we played, I mean, just fantastic. It was it was so good to see the whole team seems they all buying into what Arteta wants. They're they're starting to play close to what he wants, and we have personnel now that that can do it. I mean, Martinelli was unbelievable, just. You know, uh, buzzing up and down that wing the entire time, just destroyed Fofana. I mean, Fofana should have been sent off. Uh, they were they were Fofana's multiple just times. Trying, he's he's trying to he's trying to play worse so that Leicester will uh, feel more comfortable with selling him. Of course, he went over to the fans afterwards and said goodbye. You know, so the the the, the Zinchenko, Martinelli, Jesus, that those three combining on that left wing is just world class like their combinations of play that they can do and the the movement on the ball i mean it's it's going to be really hard to break down arsenal when they have those three players playing on on that left wing because that we seem to always have an outlet to that wing now zinchenko is unbelievable technically the dude can take the ball out of the air anywhere um and he pretty much never loses the ball under pressure and it frees up granite Xhaka, who I, I i don't know how he's gotten to this point but he's kind of well. He knows his know, position's under threat. That's why. Absolutely, he's playing the best he's ever played for Arsenal. I mean, he's rarely putting a foot wrong. That that yellow card that he got last season was bullshit. 
uh, ever since he had those two red cards and the captaincy got stripped away from him, he's just been constantly been improving. And it seems like now that he's been giving much less responsibility in the team, because it was always like he had El Nenny next to him or Sambi or, you know, whoever it was. But he was usually the guy who had to do the most of the defensive work. Now that he has Partey, he has Zinchenko, he has Saliba behind him. He's so much more free to do what he did at Mucin Gladbach, which was, you know, more of a, you know, kind of box to box threat where he actually ran the second most in the team and in, in, in just was a big threat, got into the box seven, eight, nine times during that game, you know, got touches in the box. Shaka scored. I mean, it's, 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 it's impressive that he's been able to adapt his game or to be able to improve when, you know, it seemingly was all done for him at Arsenal after he fell out with the, with the fans and said, fuck you. And all that stuff happened. Captaincy stripped two red cards. I mean, I, I truly was on the, I hate Shaka train, but right now the way he's playing, how he played, you know, after those, those things happened, you know, kind of seeing this all or nothing documentary too, you know, he's, he, he seems like a good guy. Like, I don't want to like, you know, just, he doesn't see, he, I don't know. He, he's, he's, he's a dunce sometimes when he plays football, but he genuinely has like, he, he's a leader. He's, he, he, he means well. And he, he, he leaves his heart out on the pitch. You can never like fault him for not like, sometimes he's like the last man, you know, he, 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 he brings a, like a, a, a grit to the side that he can't be the only person doing that. And he, he can't be like the only, the guy with the, with the main responsibility to do that. But if he's just one of the guys in the side who's 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 do, who's giving you that leadership and pushing you forward, it's brought out the best of him. And right now he's he's invaluable in the side. I would disagree from the standpoint that you, I think you can still praise him for you know improving from being like a walking like mistake and red card. That's that's all well and good, but if Arsenal have the goals to you know push some of their London rivals out of that top four. They're going to need to improve overall on last season. And the main way I can see you guys just improving as a team is once Tierney appears to be back fit, once he's back available to start at left back, you can move Zinchenko into left center midfield. And he's better, I would say, than Granit Xhaka, especially in the role you described and what what Xhaka is doing. He can still, you can still accept that he's doing it well, but it can be done even better by a younger player in Zinchenko. Ben White got injured. He'll he'll probably be back within a week or two. But Tomiyasu coming back into the team, if he can stay fit and actually play well, that's going to be a huge outlet to have at right back, which we've just been missing. Yeah, and that will happen anyway. But I'm saying, Jean, but like if if Zinchenko is the one who right loses now, his spot to Tierney, then that's not a good thing. You, you no, need Jaka to lose right his spot now, and Zinchenko exactly. to that, go into that, midfield. That, if that yes, but. I think right now Zinchenko's played so well to start the season. Tierney should just keep starting, keep being on the bench, and we need to ease Tierney in right now because, you know, him getting all those injuries that he's had in these last few months, you know, th- this year basically, we we can't have that happen. He's he's such a talent. Like we have to yeah. have him fit. And, and again, I, that, you that's know, where Jaka being good like comes in handy because when Tierney's back, if he does you know feel something in his in his hammy or something and needs to. Take a, a break for a game or two. You can go right back to Shaka playing at left center midfield and Zinchenko starting at left back, and you know you you might you won't miss a beat doing that. But for you to guys to reach a new peak, a new height that you, you can uh, more confidently say will get you into the top four, I, I think that that change does need to be made when everyone's ready. 
yeah, that's enough about Arsenal. Let's let's move on and talk about one other big, big result from this weekend. Uh, Nottingham Forest got their first win uh, back up in the Premier League. They beat West Ham 1-0 at home. Sunday morning at 9 a.m., uh, Taiwo Awanyi, the new signing from uh, Union Berlin, he uh, scored just before halftime. They weathered the storm. Uh, Dean Henderson saved a Declan Rice penalty uh, and stopped another uh, myriad of chances, and they got out of there with a win. And yeah, I think all the, the worry from the first week where they went to Newcastle and lost, I think that was a little overblown. They're, they're going to be able to pick up results against better teams like this at the city ground. They're- this was a huge, yeah, this was a huge result. I mean, it was their first win in the Premier League since 1999. You know, they haven't been back in so long um, to get their first win in front of their fans after losing to Newcastle so so handedly. And they really got handed, you know, could have been much worse than, than what it was. And this was huge for them. I mean, they also had a bunch of chances as well. I really want to call out this English midfielder who had never seen play before. Oh, Lewis O'Brien. Um, yeah, Lewis O'Brien. Yeah, he was he's he was good. a a a workhorse. Just you know, he yeah. he he was kind of like a like a like an almost Ingolo Conte like, but <laughs> like he was he really was like he was so good. He was snuffing out tackles, like cutting out passes. He was just yeah. really really good defensively and. Uh, and then you know still was able to carry the ball forward and, and make runs and passes and they yeah really impressed I've never really yeah. seen him play but uh, but nifty little player they have in in him and and they've made so many signings it's it's crazy yeah, this team e- even in the last week they've made like they signed Emmanuel Dennis who lit up the league for Watford last season that's a huge signing they signed uh, Remo Freuler the center midfielder from Atalanta that's a Champions League player they're uh, they're bringing in to solidify that midfield, probably play alongside O'Brien. Uh, that's another really good signing. And then they signed they signed Neil Malpai from uh, from Brighton. So you know now they're now they've got like plenty of forward options. It's not just uh, Lingard, Brennan Johnson, and Awanyi. They've got you know two Premier League proven goal scorers that can get them at least ten goals each if given them the opportunities. Uh, yeah, I think there's still a lot of suspect defensive uh like lapses from them like th- there was a goal that Ben Rama scored that was called off uh it was called out because of like a foul in the buildup by Antonio Oh yeah like, that was such a nice goal but, that like, was during that run of play during that run of play when West Ham were building up and Declan Rice picked up the ball top of the uh Forest box and then slipped it through to Ben Rama the entire passage of play you could just see like oh Forest are completely asleep right now like none of them are tracking any runners so they're going to need to cut that out. Otherwise, better teams will Nico, still Nico beat Nico Williams was really good. Yeah. As but, a, yeah, as overall, a, that, as a there's, there's good signs. Good signs yeah, from Forrest. absolutely. Good signs from Forrest. I liked what I saw. And for West Ham, it, it was kind of unlucky, like you said. I mean, they had yeah. a myriad of chances. And like I like that word, myriad, Alex. Um, they had they had 19 shots. You know, they... I think they hit the woodwork. Ben Rama hit the woodwork like twice. twice. Yeah. yeah, there was the beautiful free kick that like hit the woodwork and then hit the line. I mean, this was a great game. This was a great, yeah. great game. The crowd was, you know, from start to finish, singing their asses off. And I'm happy to see Nottingham Forest win, you know, not only because we predicted them to stay up, but 
I just it was it was great to see them back. They're such a historic club, and and it's one of those uh, teams that has the the stands close to the pitch. So it's a it's a lovely little stadium they have. You can even see like outside of the stadium, like the like sh- you know some forests and streets in the background. It's it's you know one of those those ancient stadiums that have been around for a long time in England, and yeah, great to have one of those back in the Premier League. We need more of those. Yeah. Uh, let's let's just hit on a couple of the other results. Uh, Manchester City, they got themselves a 4-0 win against Bournemouth uh, Saturday during that 10 a.m. time slot. No Erling Haaland goal. Uh, Bournemouth sat deep and tried to limit that as much as possible, but he set up Gundogan's opener in the 19th minute with a nice little 1-2 that he slipped in uh, Gundogan in behind. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, 31st minute, uh, Phil Foden in the 37th minute, and then finished off with a Jefferson Lerma own goal in the 79th minute. Uh, there's going to be games like that where Holland, you know, the the opponent is given the choice of okay, do we make sure Holland doesn't destroy us today, or uh, force the rest of their world class players to do it? And you know, it's kind of pick your poison uh, at that point. And on this occasion, the rest God, of City City's are so good. Players they made Bournemouth look so useless in this game. The way that well, they yeah, I mean, just kind of expect the game that. And... <laughs> you kind of expect that in a home game against Bournemouth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is just typical Manchester City. Phil Foden. I mean, there was Holland still had a beautiful, you know, slip through plas to Gundogan. That was uh, that that was really nice. But yeah, no, the, the, easy e- easy for City. More of these to come. Yeah, some other results. Aston Villa started off the weekend with a two-one win against Everton. Steven Gerrard got the best of uh, Frank Lampard on this occasion, but I, I still don't think of Everton as a relegation team, despite the two losses to start. I still think there's going to be enough there that they'll they'll stave off relegation. Um, and then some of the other games, Southampton came back from 2-0 down at home against Leeds to draw 2-2, and there were a couple of 0-0 draws uh, in Brighton-Newcastle and in Wolves-Fulham. So that about wraps things up for this week. We already talked about that Man United-Liverpool game uh, happening next Monday. So unfortunately not on the weekend, but uh, part of next week's games. Uh, some other big games to look forward to. Leeds United versus Chelsea. Historic rivalry game Sunday at 9 a.m. And then Newcastle United and Manchester City at St. James's Park Sunday at 11.30 a.m. So keep an eye out for those games. Follow us on social media. I haven't decided if we're going to be doing a uh, Instagram Live reaction for any of those yet, but... Whenever I do decide, I'll put it up on our uh, Twitter account, at GhostGoalPod, also the uh, handle for the Instagram account. You can follow Javier on Twitter, at JavierRev9, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at ASMoss92. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, whatever you're listening on, give us a rating and a review. Those help new listeners to find the pod, and uh, if you guys could just help us grow this thing a bit, we'd really appreciate it. Enjoy the games next weekend, guys. Thank you, Javier, for joining me. And until next time, see you.